Hey there, this is John Metter. Welcome to the Man to Man podcast. Men everywhere need to be talking to other men of experience and wisdom. Along with my friends, we'll be talking about how to grow as a man, how to find truth to stand on, how to meet the challenges of the day. Join me as we discuss everything from personal growth to fitness, from relationships to leadership. Let's talk man to man. Hello, this is John Metter at Cross City Church, and this is our Man to Man podcast. And uh, we've been focusing on a great phrase that is in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. There are two verses, really. Um, and those two verses say this, and this is really a good definition of biblical manhood, if you really begin to talk and think through them all, all these phrases. Paul said this, he said, be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Now, that's four phrases there uh, of a two-verse statement. And uh, those first four phrases, we've taken a couple of weeks and a couple of episodes of our Man to Man podcast to talk about each one of those. What does it mean to be on the alert for men to be alert to all the dangers of biblical manhood, of family life, of marriage, and everything else? Uh, what does it mean to stand firm in the faith? What is the faith? How do we stand firm in the faith? Uh, what does it mean to act like men as opposed to acting like immature boys? Uh, what does it mean to be strong? So we've covered all those in our recent podcast uh, episodes, but I want to bring up this last verse in this passage that says so much. It's really the most challenging one. It's almost like Paul is putting a capstone on the things that he challenges men to do and challenges people in general to do. And so after those four admonitions, here's, here's that last one. So get ready for this. He said, let all that you do be done in love. Now, normally when guys talk about love, we, we don't talk about them from the perspective of alertness or standing firm or being uh, manly or being strong. We don't talk about love in the same sentences, in the same paragraphs even, as we do those other things. Somehow, too, a man, love is just a little bit foreign, and he's a bit unique if he can come off as loving in some way. But the Scripture says that that is the capstone of everything that we do, and, um, and that love is a predominant characteristic of a mature spiritual man. Uh, so let's look at some principles here that we'll walk through today. By the way, as I talk about the word love today, it's one of four Greek words for love that I'm going to use. The word agape is the word we're talking about. Now, agape is not uh, just brotherly love. That would be the Greek word phileo. Uh, the city called Philadelphia is a city of brotherly love. Um, that kind of love is love that you have for people that have something in common. We're Dallas Cowboy fans, so we love each other. I remember uh, getting embraced by a guy at a Dallas Cowboy football game when they scored a phenomenal touchdown that I had never met before and will never see again, but he hugged me in that moment. That's brotherly love. Um, and brotherly love doesn't in, doesn't endure very well because if we fall out of being in common with those kinds of people, then uh, we're not going to love them anymore. Then there's eros love. That's the sexual love uh, of a husband and a wife and the way they express themselves physically and sexually. Then there's storge. Storge is a family love. Uh, it's only recorded once in the Bible, but it's recorded in the negative, uh, that in the last days men will no longer love their families the way they should. So that word actually characterizes the love that father has for his, his children or a grandfather has for his children or a grandmother has for hers. 
uh, the love we have for brothers and sisters in the biological family, uh, the love we have for spouses, for, um, for aunts and uncles, family love. It's an important part of love. But this word that we're being called to today is agape love. It means unconditional love. That's the way most people define it. But here's what it means at its heart. It refers to doing what is best for the person whom you are loving. Doing the best for that person. We're to love people unconditionally, which means not so much an emotion or a feeling. I don't have to feel the love, but my actions are the best I can do for that person. Now, Jesus exemplified this. I don't think it was a loving feeling when he was on this cross. And when he died on that cross, it wasn't an overwhelming sense of love as much as it was a commitment to doing what was best for us, which was dying on the cross to pay for our sins. So that's what love really is. That's what agape love is. So this, you'll find this to be very challenging today as we walk through a few principles that Scripture gives us. First of all, let me just put this in front of you as a number one. Number one, the goal of the believer is to love as we are loved. Now, I want you, if you can, to think just back to a time where you first realized how much God loved you and how little you deserved it. Now, I've had several such moments in my life. And some of us say that the day of our salvation, when we first came to Christ, was one of those days. Others uh, have different times they would say were those days. But, but I remember several times in my life where I was overwhelmed by my own wickedness and my stubbornness and my selfishness and everything else. And while I was over also, over, also overwhelmed by the love of God for me, in spite of all that, it's crazy. He loves me. We sing a song about the reckless love of God. Who, who goes the furthest distance to love us. Well, we're called to love like he loved us. In fact, the scripture says we love because he first loved us. So man, that's a big calling. In 1 Corinthians 13, the very last verse, Paul says this, but now faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. So the goal is to reach that highest place of being able to reflect Christ by loving others. Jesus himself said this when asked about what was the greatest commandment. You know the answer to this. He said, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And the second is likened to it. You should love your neighbor as yourself. So how do you do that? In fact, one of the lawyers that day asked Jesus in that conversation, so who's my neighbor? And he told the story of the, the Good Samaritan. And the Good Samaritan was the third of three man, men that walked by on the roadway and saw the man had been beaten up and left for dead. And the religious guys walked by and said, that's not my business, I'm not going to stop. But the Samaritan, the good Samaritan, stopped and rendered aid and did what was best for that man, even though he was a stranger. And Jesus tells that story on the heels of the question, who's my neighbor, how am I supposed to love my neighbor? And then he says at the end of that story of the parable of the good Samaritan, he said, go and do likewise. In other words, it's an action thing, do it. So we're called as a goal to love as we have been loved. It's a big, compelling, challenging thing. But it gets even more challenging when we think of number two. The way we first show love is through our speech and our demeanor, the words we say and how we look when we say it. For the most part, our closest interactions are with a scant few family and friends. It's easy to be friendly with those that are friendly to you. It's easy to be friendly with those that you love and that love you back. 
But the larger group of people that we see every day, our acquaintances and co-workers and neighbors and strangers, they're going to see us and the love that we have for them or the lack thereof through our speech and through our demeanor. So I would pause and say, how do these people see you? When they look at you from across the office, when they look at you from across the store, what's your speech, what's your demeanor towards people that you don't know? So the believer is called to love people that they don't even know. Jesus did not know you when he died on the cross in the sense of having met you. But of course, as God, he knew you through from before the foundation of the world through his omniscience. He just knew you. But he died for those that had not even yet been born. So we, we need to love in that way. Love in a way that, that, that puts us in a position to love people we don't even know. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul writes this in verse 32, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Now, I know even as I say this, some of you are going to be thinking about a person that has hurt you, harmed you, said bad things about you. You don't want to be around them. You don't want to hang out with them. And maybe you haven't even forgiven them. But the Scripture calls us to be kind, tenderhearted, uh, forgiving one another as Christ forgave us. So I would turn the tables on you and say, how did Christ forgive you? That's how you forgive them. You forgive them to the same degree. And what happens on the cross when Jesus died for our sins is he forgave us. And, and the word forgive means to, to, to count as gone, to count as having been removed. In other words, he wipes the slate clean. And he doesn't count that sin against us anymore. I'm so glad for that. But in the same way, it means I have to forgive someone by an act of my will. It doesn't always happen with my feelings, but by an act of my will, I have to wipe the board clean of that offense against me and say it no longer exists. That's what it means. That's what it means to love people, uh, what it means to be kind and tenderhearted and forgiving. Uh, another passage is in 2 Timothy where Paul writes to this young church or this young pastor of a new church that probably the first mecca church in history thousands of people had come to christ and now he's leading it and he writes this to timothy the pastor he said the lord's bond servant must not be quarrelsome but be kind to all able to teach patient when wrong with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition if perhaps god may grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth now if i read that right and i believe i do that even our speech and demeanor can cause a person to want to turn away from everything else and put their faith in Christ. It's possible that your words, your expressions can help a person come to Christ. It's your witness as a representative of Christ on the earth. Uh, some time ago, my publisher uh, and my agent asked me if I would write a book, consider writing a book for 2024 called something along the lines of how Christians show kindness in a quarrelsome and chaotic political world. And uh, even though I, I believed that I'm not the man to write that book, somebody else needs to do that, I thought, what an appropriate title. 2024 is an election year. It's going to be divisive, as all of them are, even more divisive than ever before, probably. So how do Christians show kindness in that kind of arena? How do they speak good words and have good demeanor reflecting Christ? That's a big question. So our demeanor will, may well lead a person to repentance when they consider that God lives through us, that God loves through us, that Christ loves through us. So I think this is a question of how do I represent Christ in my words and in my demeanor? In our conversation, 
in our man-to-man meeting, one comment stands out to me. It's where one of the men said this. It's really a long game. And the long game is that I need to be careful what I respond with now, with the facial expression in the words now, because it's going to impact how we relate in the long run. So I need to think carefully through it so that whatever I do and say will cause me to have a good outcome, a good result. And I think that's great thinking. We have to learn to restrain our speech. The book of Colossians says that we're to use speech seasoned with grace as with salt. Uh, So that means that we need to season uh, the words that we say. We have to think about them. And uh, so my challenge to you is to learn to love through your speech and your, your demeanor, but that means holding yourself in check. It means learning to die to self-will. It's not about you, as another man said. And because it's not about you or it's not about me, then it's really about helping someone else know that they're loved by God because this servant of God here has loved them well. Then the third point is the challenge is that we're also to love our enemies. So if you think what I said a moment ago was challenging, now let's take it to the next level. What do you do to those that hate you, that want you dead? That want you to, uh, that want you to go away. Uh, I, I think this is one of the biggest challenges that we have in life to love our enemies. Jesus said it like this: "But I say to you, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you." And by the way, that may be the way that we love them by praying for them, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, for He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. In other words, God allows rain to fall on both good and bad people, and he allows sun to shine on both good and bad people. Let your love flow towards good and bad people, towards those that love you and those that hate you. Let it be constant and consistent. And that love can only happen if you've been loved by God first. Such a challenge. So let me ask you a few questions. What does it mean for men to love people around them like Christ loved us? What does it mean to you? What things come to your mind when I talk about this stuff? What must change in your speech, in your demeanor, for you to have the love like Scripture calls us to have? And then how exactly can this happen? I want to challenge you this week to look at people through a different perspective, not just your own, but look at people through the perspective of God. In the same way that God has loved you, think about how to love others and do it like a man would, like a spiritual, mature man would. I'm so glad that you've joined us for our podcast. I hope it's been challenging today. It has been to me. And I hope you join us next week as we continue on. Thank you. God bless.